Okay, there we go. Pop this in here. Everybody, I'm Chad Eckert, and this is the Preferred Lions Podcast with my friend Joe Idoni. You can find him on Twitter at Tour Picks. You can find us at the Preferred Lions, and you can find this is it's time, Joe, for the Masters. We've reached the 2021 Masters Week, and yes, it is only two o'clock. Well, three o'clock Eastern on Sunday, and we're watching Jordan Spieth. He's currently in the lead over Hoffman. So we got that to monitor. We're also here joined live by Pat Mayo. Now entering the Pat Mayo experience. Experience! Pat. <laughs> what up, Pat? I'm, I'm glad I didn't get Chad to do the vocals for that. Was that you who does the vocals? I was wondering if that was you or somebody else. It, it, it is not. It's someone else. Someone <laughs> was like, that's definitely Pat. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Not Pat, but that's a funny intro that you have on your show. You do a hundred shows, Pat. We know who you are. We don't need to introduce you. But I wanted to ask you, Pat, have you ever played on the jock market? No, I don't believe it's available in Canada. Oh shit. Correct. Well, if it was, you should join, and it's a fun time. You can use a promo code that we have scrolling across the bottom and you can sign up for 20 bucks, Joe. Tell us about the jock market, Joe. Sure. So I think it's like the best app right now between uh in fantasy golf so it's it's unique in that once the event starts um you keep going right you can it's live throughout the event you can buy and sell shares of different players basically stock market times dfs golf whole interchangeable thing there but a great week to try it out if you have not yet uh make sure that it's legal in your territory or state or country or whatever it is but it's in most spots I know it's coming to Canada soon. I've heard from our friends over there that by the U.S. Open, we will be fully on board in Canada. Uh, so coming soon to you, Pat. But good times. PL20 gets you a free 20 bucks. Yeah, you got Jordan Spieth right now. It's at $22.15. And if he wins, it's going to be 25 bucks. So that's an easy $3 if you wanted to go pop a bid on Jordan. Anyway, the jock market, it's fun. But we're here. We're here to talk to Pat Mayo. We're not going to waste any more time. We're going to get to the Masters with Pat Mayo. Hey, Pat, uh, we're kind of structured here, so we got a little bit of a break. We're going to try to do this in five different parts. We got recent form, course form, the storylines, your favorite long shots, and then the favorites. So what we want to do is we want to start with the recent form. We want to know who's been playing the best right now leading up to the Masters. I guess it depends on what ends up happening at Valero, although most of the guys in the Masters field aren't there right now. But I was actually just going through and looking at some of the trends for the Masters, and it's worth noting that nine straight Masters champions have had at least two top 15 finishes in their three starts prior to the Masters. So okay. that really narrows down the list if you're just talking about like recent form people. Spieth would obviously be on that list if he goes on and wins. But then you have like Rom and Bryson and JT. Brooks would actually surprisingly be on that list if he ends up playing. Sergio, Harmon, Victor Perez, Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, Kokrak, Connors, if he can get inside the top 15 at the end of Valero, Kucher, if he stays there, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. So I guess the winner has to come from one of those guys. Interesting, interesting stat line there. Um, so in terms of recent form in general, when you're looking at it, 
How far do you go back for a week like the Masters? Like, are you encompassing the whole Florida swing? Do you throw match play in there or not? Or are you more focused and putting more emphasis on recent form, specifically at Augusta? Like maybe the, how they've played the last five years at the Masters. Where do you sort of lay there? I think that looking at course history for the Masters is one of the few times all year that I'll actually do that because it does have a significant advantage. Like, what is the reason that first-time players don't normally win uh, in none since Fuzzy Zeller in 79? Is it because, like, they're just not as good? No, it's because there's no green books uh, to reference. You have to know the little ins and outs of the course, and that just comes with a bit of time. So the only real outlier with a lot of these, like, trends or stats or even course history is Patrick Reed where if you go back and look, I think every Masters winner before Patrick Reed since Tiger Woods won in 1997, and Tiger is like the ultimate outlier with all this stuff, no matter what record that you look at, had made the cut the year previous at the Masters. So when it comes to an event like this and all the best players are there, just whittling everything down to try to... How do you end up like... If you want to make the case Dustin versus Bryson, can you do that? Sure. All right, then if you pick a winner of those two, is it Rom or one of those guys, Rory? or Spieth and Justin Thomas. Like you're just kind of drawing needles out of a haystack here. If you can at least convince yourself that you have some logic to your picks, that becomes a bit easier. But I like to look at everything just in the calendar year. So from Kapalua through now, uh, does the guy have a win? Do they have a bunch of top tens? I find that stuff is not necessarily predictive, but it's helpful in trying to narrow down the list of what you're looking for. What's funny is our guy Bryson, might be coming in with the best form, has a win at the API, has a top 10, a third at the players. Hey, we knew, we thought Bryson in November was going to break the course record, solve Augusta, and ruin it for everyone. But then he was kind of bad, and he got, like, sick or whatever happened to him. What are we going to do with Bryson this week? Are you on Bryson? Is he going to break the course record? I, I don't think we're going to see any course records broken here after Dustin set them all in November. It's just I don't think the Masters wants that in back-to-back Masters. So they're going to make it a bit tougher than usual. Uh, listen, Bryson's just as live as anyone at the very top of the board. Uh, he has that current form coming in. Him and Rom and Thomas, I think if you look at it, I guess you could throw Spieth into that mix, but obviously his world ranking doesn't really check out. But the way that he's played so far in 2021 i mean he's probably the best approach player on the planet right now which is shocking to see so if he can drive the ball like decently he should be fine especially like it looks like there's one day like where the winds pick up uh, there's gonna be a bit of rain overnight action might actually end up getting delayed at the masters based on what i'm seeing right now obviously in two days the weather can be completely different but if that's the case like weird elements i think help speed more than hurt speed because if everything is just pristine and ideal you know if whatever bomber brings the rest of their game along with them is probably going to win so i wanted to ask you specifically about a guy that kind of checks a little bit of the course form obviously in november fourth place finish is justin thomas but also the recent form you know we had the win at the players it's been since i think 2001 when tiger woods won both in the same sort of calendar year now that was a little bit different because they were flipped on the schedule at that point so unique that we kind of had it before the Masters this year. What do you think of Justin Thomas's chances this week? He's 11 to 1 on the odds board. It feels a little low to me with the rest of the names, but am I kind of overlooking JT here? I don't think you're overlooking JT. I mean, he's probably the odds on favorite if you ask people who bet on golf who probably won't bet Justin Thomas. If you just had to ask them, who would you power rank number one coming into this tournament? It'd probably be Justin Thomas. He he set up perfectly. The recent form is great. The Masters history is great. Even the year that Tiger won in 2019, 
Justin Thomas lost seven strokes putting that year. He finished 12th. He led everyone tee to green, and that was more than Tiger by a pretty substantial margin. He was fourth off the tee. He was first in approach and fifth last in putting. That's something that you can have happen with Justin Thomas. Of all the elite players in the world, he is the one that sees his putter go cold most often. But he's just one of these guys where if he doesn't putt himself out of the tournament, he's going to be there at the end. I wanted to ask you before we get off of the recent course form, recent history, I wanted to ask you about Sung Im, who, hey, T2 in November, a third most strokes gained total in his last six events. So he's coming in with the most strokes gained. I mean, you know, that's all relative. Fantasy National spits out these stats, and they're showing us Sung Jae playing well coming in. How is he going to fare in his second time around at Augusta? Like, do you want me to give a finishing position pick for Sungjae or just relative? I mean, is he going to be able to back up the T2? Uh, odds would say no, he does not finish T2 or better. Uh, that would be my hot take on that. <laughs> just looking at Sungjae coming in, though, like, what's he doing? It's not the typical Sungjae that we've seen. He's actually top five in the field per round in strokes gained off the tee, which is a huge benefit at Augusta National. But the irons and chipping have been, like, actually bad. It's been putting and it's been driving. It's kind of like the Bryson formula to how he wins events. It's just kind of funny seeing it from Sung Jae, who at times has been one of the better iron players on tour. At times has been one of the better around the green players on tour. He has yet to put it all together for all four rounds. And it does worry me that the irons have not looked good. So I can't quite figure out what to do with him as of yet. But it's one of these things where if the things that he's good at currently continue to persist and he can just get back to like a baseline average of what he was at the other stuff before the last two months, he's going to be a real contender. Okay, let's shift a little bit to Augusta specific. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the November sort of Masters, and I know our pal, and I think he's going to be on your show later this week, Greg Gaiman, posted the, the article with a little bit of a hot take headline of sort of giving Dustin the asterisks. Uh, next to winning it in November. What are your thoughts on how it played then? Can we really take much from that? Or do you expect it to be, you know, I've heard some rumors it's going to be a much different story this time in April. What have you kind of heard? I don't blame Rick for that headline, by the way. As people know, most writers do not make the headline. So that's probably Stephen or Chris's fault over at Golf Digest. So shame on you for those. I, I just read through <laughs> the, the picture too. What's that? The picture holding the asterisks too was great. Yeah. So like if you look at the comments below it, it's like people very triggered in the comment section who very clearly did not read the article. I suggest everyone go read it. It's really good. I mean, it's tough to really say it would make sense that it would be sort of an outlier event. I think that there's stuff that you can take away with it. Obviously, familiarity with the course, especially if you're a first timer, like you got your first master's experience. But you know, they were softer, more receptive conditions than you're used to seeing at Augusta. There was no fans around there, which there's going to be limited fans at Augusta this time around. But there's still going to be galleries, which might shake up guys who just didn't expect it the first time around and didn't experience it the first time around. Will that have an effect? I don't know. So I think that you would lean on with some caution, trying to draw too many conclusions, but it's not like the guys who played well in November weren't the guys that normally play well at the masters like Cam Smith. You know, he's come top five in both ends of the spectrum now in April and in November, Dustin had come second the year before at the masters. Rory continued to play well. So I, I think that if someone played well in November, you can't just be like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, who knows hmm. what they're going to do this time around. I think it's just, it's a part of it. Uh, I wouldn't put 
my absolute faith in the November results being like, well, it's going to look exactly like that because no two masters look the same. So you take a little bit of information from it. And again, go read Rick's column and see what he took away. But I don't expect that there's going to be that many scoring records broken this time around. Okay, well, <clears throat> course form at Augusta is uh, basically it's Jordan Spieth. He's got the, some of the best history, and he's coming in with, you know, what is he, first right now through, I don't know, six holes or something like eight holes. He's got two-stroke lead. Holy cow. Uh, he's going to win this week and come in uh, chalk and draft kicks. I mean, everyone's going to click him. He's got like a $9,700 price tag or something like that. How popular will Jordan Spieth be? Do you think he's going to reach 50% in certain contests? I think in cash games, he probably will end up. And only because like the rest of the 9K range is really tough on DraftKings when you look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and Spieth, is, Spieth and Cantlay are sort of like the clear must-play guys. People are going to be scared off by Brooks either way. I actually just bet Brooks at 32 to 1. Uh, I saw your tweet. Yeah, and but I was at 33, and by the time that I tweeted it out, it had already dropped a point. I was like, this is going to start cratering uh, if Brooks is actually okay. But I don't know about DraftKings if you want to take Brooks or not. I think he's a much better bet than a DraftKings play because realistically, in the betting market, if he comes second or he withdraws, like it's the exact same thing. On DraftKings, that's a huge world of difference, uh, especially when you're paying at the very top end for someone. Like, do people want to take Reed or Webb? Eh. Do people want to take Finau? Eh, Morikawa. People seem to be out on him. So it's Cantlay and Spieth probably as the second man in on most lineups. So 50% seems large, probably in one of those like cowardly cash games that people play, which I do not. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like in per per in terms of like the Millie maker, you're looking probably like 30%. Like him and Connors are going to be so popular that you kind of have to wrap your mind around how you actually want to do that. And Kucher probably will end up being popular now too, based on the last two weeks and the, like the great price tag he's at. So did you bet on Spieth? No, no. 12 to one is too steep. Yeah, if you're going to give me Justin Thomas at the same number, it's not to say that Spieth can't win. I would just have more faith in Justin Thomas. Gotcha. What about Pat? What about the guy at the very top, right? Defending champion, roughly like eight to one here. Here, it's just, it's just. We can look a couple months back and see, obviously, the dominant performance and how he was sort of on top of the golf world at that time. Seems to have, have taken a little step back in terms of form and, and it, you know letting other guys come at the throne a little bit here. Do you expect him to be at or near the top of the leaderboard come Sunday afternoon this week? Yeah, I do. He's still the number one player in the world. It just turns out that winning like four events and six starts is relatively <laughs> unsustainable. We don't really see anyone not named Tiger do that. Even when Rory was on his great run, you know, it happened. And then all of a sudden, Rory didn't win for a while. So it goes through cycles. Dustin will be fine when it goes down there. Am I going to bet him to win? No, I'm not going to bet anyone at the Masters to win it eight to one or seven to one or wherever the hell he's at. But I wouldn't be scared off. Just like I wouldn't be scared off of Rory either. Like, People are just throwing so much shit at Rory about how badly he's been playing. But if you look at the results, it's like one bad round at Riviera, one bad round at the players that forced him to miss the cup. But the rest of the results are kind of fine. Uh, it's not elite Rory stuff, but people are treating him like he's like one of the worst players on tour. So <laughs> I, I think you're going to have a much easier sell on telling people that Dustin is going to be fine over Rory is going to be fine. And along with Cam Smith, those two guys are the only players of the last three years at the Masters who have two top five finishes. Pat, okay, course history at Augusta. You got to bring up Justin Rose, who is almost perfect at making cuts here. He did miss one 2019, I think it was. It was, but he's like 15 and 16. Uh, 
we're worried about Justin Rose because he recently withdrew from the API and skipped the players. What is this going to mean for our expectations of Justin Rose this week? If he's if he's actually in the field and he's not being uh, deceitful with what his health status is, I think you can go to him. And the betting market has already started to correct what his number is. It's going to be very unlikely that he wins, obviously. But for his price tag on DraftKings... I think it's pretty good. It's seventy two hundred dollars. Um, you know, if he comes inside the top twenty, does some scoring, like that, that's going to be pretty good. I'm curious to see how popular he's going to end up being in this market, solely because you know people don't love Justin Rose, but if they finally get in, like he's popular a lot of years at the Masters anyway, and I, I'm just wondering if people are going to be too scared off of that injury. Cause that price tag, like you could have Kucher around the same price who comes in with the better form, but you know, does two good events in a row really wash out a year's worth of work for Kucher? <laughs> I mean, what, who's to say, but I bet you the Kucher will be higher on than Rose will. Sure. I agree. We talked about the good in terms of form and history at Augusta. Let's talk a little bit about the bad. Um, Terrell Hatton, interests me because he's floating there now I see on the betting odds around 45 to 50 to one I don't think he's going to be very popular on DraftKings solely because he's he's frankly struggled he's been very poor here and yet he still comes in um, with the last good you know last 12 months he's been playing incredible golf is his form at Augusta enough to keep you totally off uh, hatting this even if the number presents some value this week for you uh, it is, actually. And it's only because of the other people in his area. I am a noted okay. Turtle Hatton apologist. I love him. But it's too high right now. Like 8900 bucks on DraftKings. I mean, I guess in the betting market, he felt like 80 to 1. I'd be like, yeah, well, I mean, it'd be stupid not to bet this. But the guy that I have the most interest in is actually the guy right next to him in the DraftKings pricing. I, I feel like Webb and Hatton are pretty much in the same boat. I've seen more from Webb, and he very sneakily is top 10 at the Masters the last two years. And it just doesn't feel like anyone really wants any piece of him. So I told you I bet Brooks at 32 to 1. Uh, I also bet Webb Simpson at 45 to 1. I thought that was just a really good number for a top 10 player in the world. Can't blame me for that. Hey, we want to get through this quickly. Hey, we're just talking to Pat Mayo, the PME. You know who he is. You know how to find him. And we're talking through, hey, storylines are fun. They're important to look at. Uh, a lot of the you know friends of my dad, that's what they kind of look at to make their decisions. So the story for the week was going to be John Rahm withdrawing because of his wife or whatever like that. It might shift to Jordan Spieth, obviously coming in with reason for him. But everyone's kind of overlooking Rory. The story, got to complete the Grand Slam. Has a daughter now, blah, blah, blah. Are we looking at having any interest in Rory at 10, 2, or 16? I know we talked about it for a second, but I mean – Career Grand Slam. Yeah, 10-2, I could most definitely be talked into it. I want to see what happens to the odds. I want to see if people are still lining up to bet Rory, because if they aren't, he could be the top-tier talent that falls down the betting board. And if he cracks, if he just passes 20-1, to he gets like 22, something like that. Every time that it happens to one of these elite players, you just auto-bet them, and you've been winning more often than not. So his poor play has kind of masked the Career Grand Slam narrative for the first time and. She's five years at this point, and his master's history is immaculate. If he just got it all back together this week, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Um, this is a very comfortable place for him outside of a few just 
horrible rounds in his career, but it does feel like the pressure's off. So I, I do like Rory. I think the big story that's going to kind of overtake this ROM thing this week, and it's not surprising this guy wants to come in at the last minute and steal the thunder at a major <laughs> championship, and it's Brooks. You mentioned him at 32 to 1. Um, obviously, there's huge risk reward there, right? We don't really know what we're going to get with him, but we know what the ceiling is, and it's winning, and it's winning majors. What number are you willing to bet that down to? Is 25 to 1 still, still a good bet in your eyes? It's, I mean, they're probably all terrible bets, to tell you the truth. Like, if you just actually parse it out into actual win equity, even 33 probably isn't enough. Uh, I had been seeing the 25 for ages and just staring at it and be like, eh, I don't like it so much. But once it crossed 30, I was like, all right, I'm in. I think 30 to no one would be enough of a decent-sized return on that payout that, Look, uh, is he 100%? We're not going to know until he tees off. The chances are that he's 100% is not very likely, but he's been having a good year so far. Uh, if he is going to be okay, you get a deep number on someone who would ordinarily be a top five player in this field. He'd normally be 12 to one or 14 to one at most. You're getting more than double that number right now in the off chance that he is okay. I mean, that's a part of gambling. You have to take a risk somewhere. And if I'm going to take a risk, I'd rather take it with a guy like, you know, so for 30 to one, let's just kind of parse this out. So for 30 to one, you can have Brooks Kepka and all the uncertainty that goes around him, or you can, let me just pull up the betting board right now. You could have three of who's down in that 90 to one range. You could have, Three of Abraham Answer, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Kuchar. I'd rather have Brooks. Yep. Right. Probably. I wanted to ask you about the young and the beautiful. We know inexperienced players struggle typically here at Augusta, but they're so fun and they're so talented. I mean, Morikawa could easily win Hovland and Scheffler. We just saw him make it to the finals in the match play. I mean, but there's that also that young kid, Will Zalatoris. I mean, he's $7,300 on DraftKings. What's up with Will Zalatoris? Can we trust this young dude first time around or first time around? When you say trust, what do you mean? I mean, would you put your faith in $7,300 when you can click a name like Adam Scott right there? Or you could click a Billy Horschel or someone like that. What, what would make you want to take Zalatoris? Would it be just an ownership and for fun to play him? Yeah, I think it would have to be a pure ownership play because I, I much prefer Max Homa at seventy one hundred bucks, uh, who's even cheaper than him. And not again, not to say that Homa is like a lock to do really well, but at least he got. And it's not to win either, but he got the Masters out of the way in November. I think that's a good learning experience for him. The thing with Homa is that the two courses where he's won are like the direct correlation courses in results and like history where we always turn to for Augusta. He won at Riviera and he won at Quail Hollow. And if you just look at the leaderboards at those two tournaments over the years, it's like the Masters leaderboard. So something in my mind is just clicking about Max Homa. Um, you know, it's probably more of a top 10 bet than an outright win bet. I'll probably have some fun and chuck, you know, chuck some money on him at 100 to 1 uh, just in case if the crazy thing happens or I give myself some hedge equity. Zalatoris is weirdly, because of this November Masters, one of three pro debutantes in the field. I think in November we had like 22 debutantes. <laughs> There's the three amateurs who are in, so let's not even really worry about them. Neiman oh, yeah. is playing it the first time as a pro because he missed last year with COVID, but he had missed yep. the cut as an amateur in 2018. So that leaves us with Zalatoris. Who are the other ones? Carlos Ortiz and Bobby Mack as the three debutants <laughs> this year. 
which is kind of crazy. And although Zalatoris is probably a better player at this moment, much better history coming in. I think I would go with McIntyre as the top debutant of that bunch. And he's much cheaper on DraftKings. Yeah, he's a huge number on the betting board. I was just looking at like 200 to one. Anything, so this year, obviously, we have the feeling that it's going to play much firmer, much faster, much harder in general. Reminds me a little bit of like, the Willett year, where obviously, you know, you and Jeff had the tremendous call on Danny Willett. Just in that, you know, it's tough to – you can't really lengthen Augusta. It's There's no real rough you, you can bring up. So the way that you make it harder is you firm up the greens, you make them quicker, and they really shave down those runoffs around the greens where sometimes you can hit spots and it will go right back into the water. It didn't seem like they had that much in play in November – does this uh, uh, minus eight, minus 10 score, do you think that brings any long shots into play this week? And are there any guys in triple digits that you like? I think it brings more of the long shots into play. I don't know if we're going to get like a minus eight. The winning score is still probably going to be like minus 12, minus 13, minus 14. Okay. Really, unless the weather tremendously picks up. I don't know if I'd go down into triple digits with anyone. Just it's tough. Like, Leishman, because of experience, I think would be more in play from that point of view. I mean, obviously, Willard, who's actually playing some pretty decent golf at the moment. Yes. Maybe Siwoo Kim, just because he can kind of turn it on. If he has it going that week, he can kind of elevate his game amongst the rest of the world. I think I would just take and shot with someone like in the... Sergio range, like 55 to one. I actually think that Matthew Fitzpatrick is setting up really well for this course. He added the extra length and I actually parsed the numbers since the beginning of 2021. So from January, from January 1st to now, he's actually top five per round off the tee, which blew my mind. And if it does get fast and firm, he has that sort of short game and all the variables. If there's a bunch of wind, if it plays super fast and firm that he's sort of like the minor league version of Spieth, but better off the tee. You know, he's wildly inconsistent. We know that. But in the Willett year, he popped up inside the top 10. Uh, all of the courses he's ever basically won at in his career have been the something master. So the masters overall should really work out for him. <laughs> and I just don't think that he's going to be all that popular, uh, lost amongst all of the names around him. So I think that if the conditions you're talking about actually happen, you know, it's good news for guys like Webb. It's good news for guys like Fitzpatrick, that type of player who can kind of tread water, gain a little bit off the tee, but has the rest of the game to keep themselves out of trouble where other guys might get into it. Okay, so I was going to ask you, you've been a Chez truther, kind of. You've been on Chez a little bit. We like Chez. Uh, but do you prefer a Chez type of golfer, or would you want someone more like a Fratelli or a Bomber? What's the What's the criteria for a long shot? I think you want to have someone who actually you think has some win equity in these situations. Okay. I, I don't think that Shez or Fratelli really do it for me, to tell you the truth. Like, yeah, Shez, if I'm betting him at the Honda Classic or the Travelers, sure. You know, Fratelli at the John Deere Classic, let's go. I, I, <laughs> if you're going to make an outright bet to win, like just looking back, Bubba was the lowest ranked player in the world rankings to win the Masters over the past 10 years. In 2012, he was the 18th ranked player of the world. We talk about long shots because of the Willett year, but he was the 12th ranked player in the world the year that he won. 
People just forget that. Uh, and what did you bet? What was the number you got on it? Was it 66 or something? like? What was the uh, number? I got him at 125 to one, but he was 66 okay. the week of, of when he went When in. he came out. Yeah, yeah. So like a lot of, I mean, besides Dustin, who was the overwhelming favorite to win, that like 30 to 60 range has produced a lot of winners recently. So like your Reed uh, fell into there. Willett fell into there. Sergio fell into there. So I think that's the range you probably want to scrape if you want to go do this. Uh, if you're going to take a quote unquote long shot, because the long shot, no one is mispriced. Betting on golf has become a far more mainstream. All of the markets are far more in tune with what people are actually looking for. I think the deepest I would go down the board, like I might take like a hilarious shot on Kevin Na to win because fast firm conditions is actually kind of his jam. And we just we have seen him too many times, especially on bent grass in fast on fast greens that for whatever reason, the guy doesn't miss a putt for four days. That he would be the type of player like super deep down the list. Like the guy has also won four times in the past three years. Just people don't like Kevin Na. So he gets zero respect in the betting market. I don't think that he's going to win. He probably has like a 0.3% chance of winning uh, when all is said and done. But, but I you do want to see DJ put the jacket on Na. That's what we all want to see. I, I want to see it. That would be fantastic. <laughs> be so funny. Uh, that would just, you want to talk about story. And then he'll, that he'll pat him on the back, just like Na did to DJ. No, it'd be tremendous. I, I just don't oh, think that yeah. he has the proper type of game, like a top 10 or a top 20 on Nah. Yeah, I can most definitely see that happen. He's done it a bunch of times at the Masters too. Very inconsistent at the Masters over the year, but he does have some pop-up performance and has played really well at Riviera over the course of his career too. So I think you do want to kind of stick to the top 20 in the world rankings when we look at it. Uh, you'll probably get a really good number on someone like Tyrrell Hatton. Maybe Horschel, it's finally his time. I'm not really buying it, but I, I can see it. So the range that I'd want to stick in would be, I mean, Brooks is sort of an outlier just because the injury around him is giving us a good number. Of the guys like from 30 to 60, Reed and Webb and Berger, Sergio, maybe Bubba. I think that's where I'd want to make the short list and then figure out the rest from there. Gotcha. I'm big on Berger. That's my biggest sort of bet at this point. Um, what do you make anything of any sort of added motivation there? Or is that just us talking in terms of not getting in last year? Do you <laughs> think he's a good fit for Augusta? Um, you know, he's down there in, in some books in the 40 range, which feels like valuable. You mentioned Kevin Na has a lot of wins. Uh, Berger has a lot of wins in the last calendar year. So the guy shows up and, and plays well on Sundays. Well, here's the thing with Berger. I like him as well. I was talking to Feinberg. Feinberg likes him. I was talking to David Barnett. David Barnett likes him. Raza likes him. Everyone likes Daniel Berger this week, as it turns out. Uh, that's never a good sign for anyone. So that's a miscut just waiting to happen. So I think I, I wouldn't worry too much about the, uh, the extra motivation. Is Daniel Berger more motivated to win the Masters than Patrick Reed? Probably going to say no. Uh, I would say that these guys probably want to win the Masters. I There's nothing more I hate in any sort of sport is this guy wants it more. Oh, oh does he? You know that, do you? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I think that 45 to 1 is a very good number for Berger. He feels a bit underrated in this market because he didn't play in November. Now, every trend would point to that's not a good sign for him because most people play the year before and make the cut <laughs> the year before they come in, but it probably <laughs> wouldn't scare me off. I think... If Webb and Berger are the same price, well, I do think that the prospects of Berger winning are probably higher based on his skill set. I'd probably just end up betting Webb in that spot. So we talked before we went live that you've written an extensive article that we should obviously go look for once it's published. Uh, did you make any bets and are you willing to share those or do we have to go find them in that article? You mean besides the Brooks and Webb ones I just told you about? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, those are the ones I made. Okay, beauty. <laughs> Your favorite of those two, if you had to give us one pick to win, screw the odds, um, take anyone on the board, your preferred play, who's going to win the Masters on the Sunday, April 4th before? What do you got? I'd probably say Rom, all things being equal, is likely set up. Him and Thomas are both set up the best coming in to win this Masters. Now, quick spoiler, you'll have to tune in to Monday to get the rest of this, but I think that Cust is picking Rom to win. Oh. And, and he's also picking Burger as one of his favorite plays. So that's not great news. No. So, so just play Justin Thomas, bet Justin. Just, if you want to make one, if you were just betting one person and that's all you wanted to do, Thomas at 12 or 14 or whatever the best number you can find him at is probably the bet. Got it. Okay, Pat, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, you will, hey, direct yourself to fantasynational.com and get a subscription to that website. If you're not on there already, what are you doing? You're probably already on there because everyone's on there. Anyway, uh, thank you, Pat. Most wonderful time of the year. Hey, and Joe and I will be back tomorrow night doing the preferred lines, going through the betting line like we normally do. And you can find Pat. You can find him on iTunes and YouTube. He's at the Pat Mayo Network. You got the the real network now. How's that going? It's pretty good. The baseball show that we just launched is crushing it. We decided people probably don't have an hour and a half a day to spend listening to baseball stuff or picks and bets. So it's 15 minutes per day. It's filmed at midnight the night before. So it is available for you the moment that you wake up. So if you do just want to get in on some baseball action, it comes out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Wow. 15 minutes tops, and it's just going to be on your phone by the time you wake up. So Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets, the new show on Mayo Media Network. I, I check it out. You should go check it out, too. Very awesome. Cool. cool. Well, thanks, Pat. Say hi to Jeff for us. Sure. Thank you, Pat. All Have right. Thanks, guys. Everybody. Thanks. You, too. See ya. Thanks for having me, guys.